Good morning, all. So today is the, the second Sunday in Lent in year A. Year A is the first in a three-year cycle of scripture readings uh, for Sundays known as the lectionary. Now, if I may, I want to ask you to turn to page 888 in your prayer books. They look like this. <laughs> page 888. And you'll see when you get there that this is the section concerning the lectionary. And you will find, uh, just under the header concerning the lectionary, uh, the words that the lectionary for Sundays is arranged in a three-year cycle in which year A always begins on the first Sunday of Advent. And here's something I didn't know. In years evenly divisible by three. I thought it was just enough that it goes A, B, C, A, B, C. Didn't know that little bit of math figured into it. Now, you'll see the, the example you're given there is 1977 divided by 3 is 659. I wanted to test this out myself, so I took 2022, which is when year A began, because of course Advent began just late uh, last year, and divided it by 3. Can anybody divide 2022 by 3 in their heads? No. <laughs> not, not even Jason. Jason's a math guy. Was that Jason? Did you say no? Okay, I thought that was you. Yeah. So apparently nobody can. Maybe somebody can, but they're being humble. Anyway, uh, that is indeed divisible evenly by three, and you get 674. So it works. Prayer book's right. Um, then on the next page, you get the, uh, the lectionary starting with year A. Just flip around just to get a feel for it into year B, into year C. It takes about... 30 pages to, to cover all this. And of course, when you get to the end of year C, you just go back to the beginning again. So you can put your prayer books away if you want, but you might want to keep them out in case I lose you and you need something to uh, distract yourself with. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, the lectionary uh, that we use right now was an ecumenical project. It wasn't just an Episcopal thing. It was uh, several denominations and communions working together, uh, developed out of concern for the unity of the church and for a, a, desi a desire for a common experience of scripture among Christians of different traditions. So throughout the world, Christians in uh, Episcopal, Anglican, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, and, and other traditions are very often reading and hearing the very same passages of Scripture that we hear and read uh, here at St. Paul's, Sunday to Sunday. So at this point, you, you may be thinking, well, why is he going on so much about the lectionary? Preachers are supposed to speak about the Scriptures of the day, not the schedule of Scriptures for the day. Well, recall that our lectionary, our schedule of readings, spans three years before, of course, returning to the beginning again. And think back to three years ago, to March of 2020. On March 3rd of that year, the Center for Disease Control reported 60 cases of COVID across the United States. On the 6th, 
The Grand Princess cruise ship was stranded off the coast of California due, due to an outbreak of what was then called the novel coronavirus. On March 11th, after 118,000 cases worldwide in 114 countries and over 4,000 deaths, the World Health Organization declared a pandemic. On March 15th, states begin to implement shutdowns to prevent the spread of COVID, and the New York City public school system, the largest in the country, shut down. Here in Ohio, there was a call for restaurants and bars to close. And thus began our life in lockdown, in quarantine. Where were you during those days when the unexpected, the unprecedented, even the unimaginable, unfolded before our eyes. Do you remember who you were with, what you were doing, what you were thinking, feeling? One, one week before all of this, it was, it was March 8th of 2020, and it was the second Sunday of Advent in year A, just like today. And it would prove to be the last Sunday before the shutdown. The last time the people of St. Paul's would gather in person for worship for over 14 months, 63 weeks, 63 Sundays, 441 days. Do you remember where you were that day? That Sunday, that unbeknownst to us then, would be the last before a very dark and disorienting period of time. Before the Lenten themes of the desert, of self-denial, of death, became all too real. At that time, I was not yet here at St. Paul's. Uh, on that Sunday, I was at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut where Peter Walsh, a former associate rector here, uh, is, is the rector. And I went simply to go to church. Uh, New Canaan is my hometown. It is where uh, my parents still live. And at that time, I was serving as a chaplain at an Episcopal boarding school in Connecticut called the Kent School. And uh, our spring break had just begun. Turns out we wouldn't really be returning for quite some time, but we didn't know that yet. So, though I went to St. Mark's that day as, as a worshiper in the pews, uh, it turns out that Peter was sick. That detail seems a little bit different in hindsight, but at the time, nobody made too much about it. So I was asked to assist the other clergy in leading worship, and it felt in, in many ways like a normal Sunday. I had no idea what was coming. I knew that, that COVID was a real and growing problem, but I couldn't imagine a lockdown. I couldn't imagine our lives as we knew them grinding to a halt for days, weeks, and then months. The only difference I noticed that day was the use of hand sanitizer before distributing communion, which just seemed at that time a common sense precaution to ride out a temporary um, inconvenience. I also 
recalled seeing a, what seemed to be a subtle expression of concern on the face of, of one father as I placed a communion wafer in his child's hand. But it could have been just me projecting my own growing public health concerns. Now, the gospel for that last normal Sunday was the one we just heard today from John's gospel, the story of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, the Pharisee who visits him by night. And the preacher for that day was Jesse. In this passage, Jesus tells Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom of God, we might say the reality of God, without being born from above or born again. And that this is not a matter of going back into the mother's womb, as Nicodemus says in his skepticism. Nicodemus is hearing and reacting to Jesus on the literal level, but Jesus is talking about a deeper spiritual reality. Jesus seems to be saying that a spiritual birth is needed to see, to understand, to truly follow Jesus and his message. Now, Jesse noticed that, noted that this term born again has, has quite a lot of cultural baggage, that it has been divisive, that it has been used to identify oneself and, and others as saved, um, at least implicitly, in contrast to those who are not. It has been used to suggest that merely being a Christian is not enough. One must be a born-again Christian. This profound idea of a spiritual rebirth has too often been degraded into a matter of gatekeeping and tribal identity, a membership card, and stadium theology. But as Jesse did three years ago, I, I want to ask you to put down whatever baggage you might have associated with this term, born again, uh, for a moment. Because I believe that Jesus was talking about something much more profound, subtle, and interesting. I believe that Jesus is saying that, that something in us must change, must be awoken, renewed, transformed, um, even enlightened. Perhaps this is something that only needs to happen once for some people. But I believe that for many of us, myself included, it needs to happen again and again in different ways, at different times, for the many changes and chances of our lives. And I think that's, that's just okay. Now, during the last three years of the pandemic, during the many shutdowns, quarantines, and waves and spikes of Delta and Omicron, when so much of our lives have been lived at home and in isolation in front of computer screens, at a reduced level of activity, at a lower level of energy, what um, I've heard described as permalol, the mental health toll of the pandemic has, of course, been immense. Uh, it has been, all of this has been a bit like being enclosed in a dark womb, except too often without the nurturing and protective, life-giving and sustaining qualities of an actual womb. And so after all this, these three long years that have forever changed us and marked us, do you feel reborn? Early on and throughout the pandemic, there were poems and, and social media posts 
that express the hope that this experience could change us all for the better. But I can't help but notice that quite the same jumble of personal, political, and social burdens uh, are still with us. They were there before the pandemic. They were there all throughout it. They're still with us now. We're still burdened by what uh, the great writer Leonard Cohen sardonically called popular problems. They don't seem to have gone anywhere. And that's not to mention, of course, things like the war in Ukraine, earthquakes in Syria, and the ongoing and exacerbating uh, effects of climate change. It seems that if we were hoping for the experience of the pandemic to automatically, perhaps even magically, transform us into our best selves, we might be disappointed. So what then? Do we lose hope? Can we change? In the words of today's psalm, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? In the darkness that has enclosed us throughout this pandemic, perhaps there is another womb that we've been carried along in. Three years ago, Jesse asked us to imagine Nicodemus and ourselves as still growing, still gestating in the womb of Jesus, in the womb of God, who carries us until we're ready to be born, and who calls us forth when the time has come. I believe that it is this Jesus, this God, who is our help, who our hope can rightly be rooted in. It seems that in this turning world of ours, God does not very often just step in and fix our problems for us. Again and again, people misunderstood Jesus in the Gospel of John. They think he is speaking literally about visible and tangible reality. When he was speaking spiritually, symbolically, about interior, invisible, even mystical things. Now, Jesus, of course, cared passionately about justice and peace in the world. But I think that he saw the starting point for that, for that is, is our own spiritual transformation. It starts as an inside job. Without the God who, who made us as our center, as our starting point, as our still point in the turning world, it seems that much of our personal and collective efforts to change ourselves, to change our world, are a bit like pushing a boulder up a hill, as in the myth of Sisyphus. It will just roll back down again. And so again and again, Jesus calls us to look within, to the center of our soul, to the ground of our being, where Christ lives, and who Christ is. Because even as he carries us, as in a mother's womb, we also carry him. And he is ready 
for us to be born again, to be renewed, to wake up, and to live. And so perhaps he is asking you, perhaps he is asking us today, after three long years in the womb of this particular gestation, are you ready to be reborn?